stopped working for him. And so it goes. And here we are publishing yet another volume of his work. After Hunter's death, we produced a special tribute issue of Rolling Stone based on memories and vignettes from nearly a hundred of his friends, colleagues, and co-conspirators. It took ten days, with a half-dozen editors working around the clock against a hellacious deadline. And once again we were in service to Hunter S. Thompson, busting our asses on his behalf. He had again touched us in some magical, unforgettable way, even affecting those on our staff who had never met him. That special issue was commissioned as a full-length book, Gonzo, The Life of Hunter S. Thompson, a 150,000-word oral history. For now it stands as the definitive Hunter S. Thompson biography, and an essential companion to any understanding of his work and life. I edited it, word by word, with much devotion. I've always thought that Hunter had, in a sense, written his own autobiography in the pages of Rolling Stone, and that if there was a way to take his collected work and edit it properly, there would emerge a narrative of Hunter's great and wild life, a story about himself, who was, after all, his own greatest character. This notion was among the things I discussed with Paul Scanlon, who was my trusted right-hand man and managing editor for many of our San Francisco years, when we sat down to edit this book. Paul knows the Rolling Stone lore thoroughly, was a tasteful and meticulous editor, and was a natural to work with me on this comprehensive look at Hunter's years with the magazine. We've also included some correspondence between Hunter S. Thompson and me, actually a very small sample, as well as a couple of thoughtful and hilarious memos to the staff that bring yet another subtext and flavor to the arc of his work. Hunter lived a great life of genius, talent, and righteousness. It is reflected in these pages. Introduction Paul Scanlon When I first met Hunter S. Thompson in 1971, I didn't know what to expect. I was familiar with his work, of course, and had read the wonderful account of his campaign to become sheriff of Pitkin County, Aspen, Colorado, in the pages of Rolling Stone. He had been in Los Angeles working on a piece about the murder of newspaperman Reuben Salazar. There had been talk, very vague talk, about his writing something about Las Vegas— then one fine spring day he appeared in Rolling Stone's San Francisco office. For me and the magazine, nothing would ever be quite the same. If you were a progressively-minded college student in the 1960s, certain books were required reading. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey, A Confederate General from Big Sur, and Trout Fishing in America by Richard Brodigan, The Candy-Colored Tangerine Flake Streamline Baby, and The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe and Hell's Angels by Hunter S. Thompson. As an undergraduate majoring in journalism, I was drawn to the writing of Wolfe and a few others who were practicing what was not yet being called the new journalism. It's funny, but even at an uber-liberal school like San Francisco State, there was a schism, what was known in the day as a generation gap, between faculty and students over this new kind of writing. Our professors considered Wolfe and his ilk posers, inspiring some kind of journalistic vaudeville by applying fictional techniques to reporting. We thought our instructors intended to mold us into drones, destined to carve out careers at small-town dailies. I guess it was my junior year when I pulled a copy of The Nation from the student lounge magazine rack and had my first encounter with the writing of Hunter Thompson. It was the first of his two-part report on traveling with the Hells Angels. The Outlaw Motorcycle Club's Oakland chapter was a fixture in the Bay Area. Encountering a group of angels was not uncommon, 
especially after they embraced LSD and began hanging out at dance rock concerts in places like the Fillmore Auditorium in Winterland. Big Brother and the Holding Company became their official band. The rule of thumb was simple if you were nearby. Keep your distance and try not to make eye contact. Even in their brief, acid-drenched, benign phase, the angels were downright scary, clearly capable of unpredictable violence. So it was a revelation to me that there was a writer who could figure out a way to win their trust and run with these characters. Hunter Thompson clearly had the smarts and the courage to do so. Or he was a hell of a salesman and a little bit crazy. Whatever. That early installment in the nation convinced me he was the real deal. Later that day, I wondered aloud to my fellow campus newspaper staffers what our faculty advisors would make of him. Rolling Stone in the early 1970s was an exciting place to be. Social, cultural, and political unrest was in the air, and we tried to cover that turbulence in ways that...